Hey y'all, you're listening to Damsels in Detroit, the podcast all about women from the city that are killing it in their industries. I'm your host, Evan Webb. Each week, I invite a damsel to come on and talk with me about their life, careers, and why Detroit girls do it better. Hey y'all, we're back. Another episode of Damsels in Detroit. This is episode 39, and I'm really excited about this one because if you know me, you know, by my journalism background. So I'm talking to Lindsay Green, and she is a wonderful journalist in my eyes and I'm really excited just to like dive in just about her career and all the fun things that she does. So let's read a little bit about her before we get into our questions. Lindsay Green is a magazine aficionado. The New York native spent several years as a beauty editor at National Glossies including Ebony, Glamour Magazine's Glam Beleza Latina, I hope I said that right, People Style Watch, and Teen Vogue. As a, and as a freelance writer, she would go on to contribute to Allure, InStyle, Marie Claire, Elle, and more. She'd also launch Beauty Atlas, an award-winning digital magazine that explores beauty through a global lens. After relocating to Detroit in 2017, Green served as managing editor at Our Detroit, where she navigated the city through the story she and her team told. Today, Green has transitioned into a role as a freelance writer and editor. Her first assignment, she's taking on the role as Our Detroit's dining editor and looking forward to continuing to learn more about the city of Detroit, one great restaurant at a time. Hello. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you? Good. So, backstory, I met Lindsay at the Posh and Popular Summit. Hi, Kim. Um, was that the second? It was the second one. I can't remember what year that was. 2017? I think maybe? it was 2017. Yeah. yeah. And you were talking about Beauty Atlas, yeah. and I was like, and then you had like some your laptop pulled up in the back for mm-hmm. people to like go through, and that was the first interactive magazine I had ever seen. Oh, cool! So I was like, this girl is so cool. And you had on like the cutest dress. <laughs> I was like, I have to talk to her. <laughs> and so from there we met, and yeah. I feel like I've seen you just out and about randomly. Yeah. And I always feel like I'm like she doesn't remember me. Oh my god! Like, no, I do. <laughs> no, I always remember you. <laughs> it's funny. I'm usually the one that people don't remember mm-hmm. because I have like big curly hair Mm -hmm. then I cut my hair right like I wear my glasses I don't wear my glasses so most of the time it's like nobody knows who I (laughs) (laughs) I remember (laughs) okay so let's get into these questions so the first one is just what made you want to get into journalism in the editorial industry so it's funny I had to like think about this because I have loved magazines Mm -hmm. forever since I was a kid and I remember like so my parents are divorced Mm -hmm. and um as a kid when I'd go to spend time with my dad every other weekend the first thing we would do on Fridays was we either went to dinner or we went to the movies or Mm -hmm. like really it was like dinner or the movies Mm -hmm. and in the plaza that we would go to there was a Barnes and Noble and so that was always our first stop while we'd get our tickets and then we'd go to Barnes and Noble and wait until the movie started or wait Mm -hmm. until like our buzzer rang for for the reservations um And so my dad would go to like cars and motorcycle section and I would be in women's lifestyle section. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just remember like trying to go through the magazines as fast as possible to figure out like how many is he going to let me buy this time? (laughs) (laughs) It's like I had a limit. Mm -hmm. Um, So my love for magazines started super, super early on. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I think about like actually getting into journalism, like... I, I wanted to be, well, when I first started college, I wanted to to do psychology. Okay. So I enrolled as a psych major mm-hmm. and like very quickly, like like first it's, class quickly. It's too much. It's <laughs> <laughs> like psych 101. Yeah. Like, no, this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I kind of just, you know, went through gen ed courses and, and through that I um, figured out that I had this interest in, in journalism mm-hmm. that had always been there. Yeah. Um, but it, I, it wasn't like as a kid, I just knew I wanted to be an editor. So yeah. it kind of came a little later. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think really where it materialized was when I did my study abroad program in Madrid. Okay. Um, and I realized that I really wanted to blend my passion for magazines and for journalism and um, specifically magazines and women's magazines mm-hmm. with um, this interest I, I had peaked study, you know, studying abroad um, in international subjects. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just was trying to figure out how could I, you know, be a style editor at, mm-hmm. a, at an international publication or could I be the beauty director at a travel magazine? Right. You know, I really wanted to blend um, those those two interests of mine. Mm-hmm. And at the time, the position just didn't exist. Okay. Um, 
you know, travel magazines had sort of a style section, but it was very small and there mm -hmm. wasn't really a dedicated editor to that. Um, so what I really wanted to do just, yeah, just, it didn't exist. Yeah. But, um, so I just kind of stayed in the, 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 um, traditional trajectory of an editor. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a really long answer to no, your question. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny because I, so I flip-flopped. So I've always loved writing. And I was, I used to say like, oh, I want to write a book or whatever. Yeah. And then I got older and then I was like, my friends were always the ones coming to me with their issues. So I'm like, I'm going to do psychology. <laughs> and then after, I think it was like, I was in 12th grade and I was like, I actually don't want to do this. <laughs> so now let me figure out like what I can do with fashion. But yeah. so I went to school for journalism and fashion because I was like you, like how can I merge the, these two interests yeah. of mine? So Yeah. Yeah. But no to no to being a psych major. Shout right. out to those that <laughs> right <laughs> that do it. They're but, doing great work, but yes. I couldn't do it. Mm -mm. <laughs> so, what publications were your favorites? So, if you mentioned you and your dad were going to Barnes and Noble. So, what were the ones that you always were gravitating toward? Really, everything. Like mm -hmm. I couldn't say that I had a favorite. Okay, I. Um, I remember like going through different stages because there's a magazine for every stage in your mm -hmm. life, right? So I went through the Teen Vogue phase yeah. and went through, I never really was a 17 reader. Mm -hmm. I think like if you had to pick one or the other, yeah. Teen Vogue was my, my go-to. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, you know, as I got older and, and um, you know, my, I guess my taste elevated mm -hmm. a little bit. I really loved Elle. Yeah. Like, that was, that was a big one for me. Mm -hmm. As I started to realize that, like, there is a difference between beauty and fashion. Mm -hmm. I loved Allure for, for beauty content. Mm -hmm. um, Vogue, obviously, was yeah. always, you know, always always a good one. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I really kind of, you know, woke up to this interest in international subjects, um, Marie Claire was always my go-to. Yeah. It's still, to this day, mm -hmm. is, like, a favorite of mine because they do such an amazing job of being inclusive but also being well-rounded in their coverage mm -hmm. in terms of looking at what's going on abroad and looking yeah. at you know women who are here but shaping 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 the world yeah um so I love that one and now you know there are a lot of indie magazines mm -hmm. especially as sadly a lot of uh national publications are, are folding know. you know the big ones have 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 gone yeah um so there are a lot of really good indie publications that I'm loving right now. Mm -hmm. They're awesome. Yeah. I know. It's, that's kind of why I had to, like, figure out something <laughs> else because I feel like when I graduated, it was the industry was kind of starting to make that shift where it's like, yeah. okay, this publication that's been around for years is just going fully digital yeah. or it's just folding completely. And so I'm like, well, what am, I don't know what I, I, what know. I should do. It's so crazy because yeah. there are so many, I mean, and I feel like we have this conversation all the time mm -hmm. where it's like people still love to touch a publication, right? right? They love the feel of like a, just paper in their hands. Mm -hmm. So it's sad to see that that's kind of changing, but, yeah. but I do think it's a change. I don't think that, I don't think that our generation is going to see the end of print. Yeah. I just don't. I just think that there's an evolution that mm -hmm. um, people behind the scenes are having to, to figure out. Right. And it's taking a little bit of time, but yeah. but I think it'll happen. It makes sense. So you were the digital beauty editor for Teen Vogue. Um, so can you talk more about like what you did during your time there and then also what that experience was like? At that publication and some of the other ones that you've worked at, because I think sometimes people think of like working at a magazine, it's like Devil Wears Prada, it's like intimidating, <laughs> but what is it really like? Yeah. Um, so Teen Vogue was a shift for me because it was the first time that I was working strictly digital. Okay. Um, so I, like you said, I was hired as the digital beauty editor. Mm -hmm. And so my responsibility was to manage the beauty vertical. So okay. that meant, um, you know, writing uh, beauty stories, but also editing them. So I had a team of freelancers that mm -hmm. reported to me, would turn in their copy and, okay. um, you know, I would edit that. Um, it also meant like doing photo shoots mm -hmm. and, you know, beauty editorials for digital, which was brand new for me. And yeah. that was a really great experience. Um, uh, yeah, a lot of people get the Devil Wears Prada, uh, uh, um, perception, yeah. which in some cases it is, mm -hmm. Um, 
my experience honestly was really positive just across the board not just at Teen Vogue but at all of the magazines that I worked at mm-hmm. um I was really fortunate to work for women which I think is really cool yeah it, it wasn't until I moved to Detroit that I had a, a male as a boss which okay. was kind of cool mm-hmm. I guess that's not true at, at Teen Vogue I did our digital director was a was male okay um but at the helm of the magazine was a female which was really cool yeah um so it's a really intense environment. It's very, obviously, it's super competitive mm-hmm. and um, can be very superficial. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's real. Uh, you know, people getting super dressed up for Fashion Week and, and, and um, you know, having to wear the, the best designers and yeah. all. There, there is that pressure, mm-hmm. especially as things were starting to shift and, and there was, um, you know, social media and you right. had to have a social media presence mm-hmm. or... Um, you know, if you did TV segments, like having to present yourself a certain way was, Mm -hmm. again, just added pressures. Right. But I fortunately feel like I worked with a lot of good people Mm -hmm. that were all about um, supporting and empowering and being collaborative and being um, just good people for the most part. Again, they're there are some one-offs right. <laughs> <laughs> i've worked with some interesting people I but um but yeah i it was for me all in all just a great learning experience mm-hmm. um and i think really helped shape me to the editor that i am today which yeah. I, i'd like to say is pretty pretty strong yes, hopefully i would think so <laughs> so what is the difference in how photo shoots are conducted for digital versus print like is there a major difference mm. So it kind of depends. So again, I was in the beauty and style kind of space. Um, The teams are just much smaller Mm -hmm. for for digital in my experience. So I would be on big cover shoots for Ebony or for, Mm -hmm. you know, Glam Latina. So Glam Latina, just to explain, is it was a quarterly publication that was put out by Glamour's beauty department. Okay. Um, So separate uh, publication that was Mm -hmm. basically polybagged with Glamour. Okay. and so, you know, we did some shoots for that magazine, but not as many. We did more mm-hmm. so for for Ebony. Um, and so those were super huge teams. You had, you know, photographers and photographers' assistants, and right. you had stylists, and you had stylist assistants, mm-hmm. and you had um, the talent and their whole team. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, what else? You had the writer there. You had an editor there. So it was, you know, a big, big production. Mm-hmm. Usually they also were full-day shoots. Okay. Whereas for digital, you're working with a much smaller scale. Mm-hmm. So you've got photographer. A ph- photographer probably doesn't have an assistant. Gotcha. Sometimes it might be a photographer that's kind of starting out, and this okay. is their way to kind of, you know. Break um, Yeah. Okay. Um, it's usually like a half-day shoot. You know, it's not, again, just not as big of a production. Okay. Gotcha. So you also, well, when I read your bio, um, mentioned some of the freelance work that you did. Mm -hmm. So what advice would you have for someone that is freelancing that's like constantly trying to pitch their stories? Like what are some tips that you feel like freelancers should always kind of abide by or stick to? That's a good question. Um, I think it's really important for the freelancer to be familiar with the publication that they're pitching for. Okay. There are so many times, and this is across the board, there are so many times where I've had people that I've had to deny just because they didn't pay attention to detail. Yeah. At Ebony, they called us Essence. At, you know, Teen Vogue, they called us Seventeen. Okay. At, um, you know, at, at Our Detroit, they're not saying Our Detroit. They're saying Our Magazine mm-hmm. or the Detroit Hour, you know? Yeah. Not being familiar with the person that you're pitching to means, one, that you're not paying attention to detail, which mm-hmm. is super important as a writer and editor. Yeah. If you can't do it at that basic level, mm-hmm. then why should I take that risk, right. you know? Um, so that I think that's a, a big thing. So mm-hmm. that's, that's more of like the... Um, low level paying attention to detail right but it's also like I want to know that you're pitching to this section specifically because you're familiar with this section specifically Mm -hmm. um I want you to do your research and see that like we haven't covered this person before you know take a look at the website and see if we've already done an interview with Mm so-and-so um you know subscribe to the magazine i just want to see that you're really in touch with what we're doing right it's also just going to help inform your pitch right you're gonna you're gonna pitch a story that you could see us running if you're familiar with the stories we run Mm -hmm. right um 
So I think that would be a big piece of advice. Um, being really concise in your pitch. Okay. Sometimes we'll get pitches that are super, super long. Yeah. It'll be like a whole, you know, long email. And when you're pitching to an editor, an editor really just doesn't have time. Right. We just, as much as I would love to be a person, and I've heard some people say this, but very few, mm-hmm. I would love to be the person that can say, I go through every email every day and I respond to every email yeah. every day. But I don't. Right. You would lose it. <laughs> I would literally lose it. Or like I would never be able to sleep because right. you get so much every day. Um, so you you would have to be able to really capture my attention mm-hmm. quickly, concise, um, clearly. Um, yeah, for me to for me to, you know, consider. Yeah. And even if it's not the greatest fit, mm-hmm. if I can see, hey, this person put a lot of thought into this and it was clear and it was. Um, you know, just, yeah, just thoughtful and, and, um, well-written mm-hmm. and well, well thought out. Um, I might be able to respond to them and just say, Hey, this kind of misses the mark for us or, or I really like where you're going, but what if we did it this way? Then at right. least that gets you a call back, you yeah. know, it gets you an email back. It gets you that conversation. Mm-hmm. If you just miss it completely, then it's like, it probably won't get a response. I know yeah. that sounds so bad. Well, no. And I've, had to I mean not doing editing but doing social media for work and like having to work with different influencers and things and I understand that I mean and I do it sometimes like I'm gonna write a script out for myself copy and paste and then change what I need to Mm -hmm. but I've had people where it's like you clearly did that but you definitely just reached out to like one of our competitors and you Mm -hmm. left the name of that company in there so I know one girl she's trying to work with us and she's like oh so I work for Bloomscape and she's like oh I love the seal and I was like, oh, yeah. and then she, so I didn't respond Yeah. and she DM'd me again and she's like, Hey, I just wanted to see if you got my email. Mm. And I didn't respond to that. Cause I'm just like, you didn't, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the simplest thing, Yeah. but it's the simplest thing. But I, but I also do, this is something that I've challenged myself to do in recent years, just as I'm getting older and mm-hmm. as I'm realizing that this is a job, right? Right. And as important as it is, it's more important to me to be a human. Right. And and particularly for women of color, mm-hmm. if this is a person who's reaching out that's a woman of color or a person of color or a woman, you mm-hmm. know, I, I do think that it's important to offer teachable moments. Right. And so I will let that person know, girl. Like, yeah. Here's why I didn't respond. Right. You know, especially if they're seeking it out you know, multiple times in different platforms. Mm-hmm. If you sent me an email and there was a clear mistake, I might just ignore it. Right. But then you reach out to me on Instagram. I might say, hey, yeah, I did receive it, but I also noticed that you made a mistake. Yeah. And, and you know, you, you know, I might just say that between me and you, mm-hmm. you know, on a personal level, between me and you, like we typically will not respond to something that's, you know, pitched incorrectly. And yeah. also we want to make sure that you're not pitching you know, our competitor at the same right. time. That That's the reason why we wouldn't do this with you. Yeah. So I think that, like, again, just trying to be human and mm-hmm. trying to have real conversations with people, there's so many times where we don't think about that because we're just stuck in our jobs and in yeah. our job titles, and mm-hmm. I don't want to get lost in that anymore. I've right. done it before, and I'm trying to get out of that. Yeah, for sure. Work-life balance. Right. <laughs> trying to figure it out yeah (laughs) so now i want to talk about beauty atlas sure so like i said that was my first time seeing an interactive magazine i was like wow these images are moving what is happening (laughs) um but i just really loved that you were kind of switching like how we just talked about things are moving in a more digital space Mm -hmm. but i know sometimes when people say i have an online magazine it's really just a website right different tabs right it's a blog right (laughs) um so i just love that it was literally like um, like you're flipping Yay. through pages and oh, it makes so a little sound yes Yay. so I just want to talk about like how you got the idea for it um and some of the things that you've been able to do with a publication yeah so like I said when I studied abroad I had this idea of merging beauty and travel or at that time it was kind of just like women's lifestyle mm-hmm. and travel and culture and yeah. international subjects so when I when I left um, when I got back, I decided to, that's when I decided to pursue print journalism mm-hmm. and I tacked on an international studies major at the time. And so it had always been in my mind mm-hmm. to make this thing happen. And okay. like I said, the position didn't exist at a travel magazine. 
there weren't there wasn't really an opportunity for me to move abroad okay. and you know be a beauty editor at you know let's say Marie Claire right Japan or whatever yeah um, a lot of international publications are not English you know they're in, in their language so there were some challenges there okay. so I moved into um, you know, traditional women's magazines with this idea in the back of my head that eventually this is what I wanted to do. And so when I left Teen Vogue, my husband got a job in Chicago very shortly after. Okay. And um, so we, we relocated to Chicago. And so I had this free time. I didn't have a job out there. Okay. Um, and so I decided to do freelancing. You know, you mentioned some of the publications that I worked on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also had this time to finally bring this idea of mine to life. Um, and so that's when Beauty Atlas was launched. So for people who don't know, Beauty Atlas basically is, I, I call it a destination guide for beauty enthusiasts. So mm-hmm. it was an opportunity for women who are really interested in beauty um, to learn more about beauty. But again, not on that superficial scale, yeah. but like... So we traveled to a different location in in every issue. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was a deep dive into, you know, rituals that women are practicing in other cultures and uh, products that are made in these other countries and and, um, shining a spotlight on those. And if there were, you know, ingredients that were native to those countries and Mm -hmm. they were using them for beauty purposes, like a coconut oil being used for like skincare or whatever. Um, those are the kinds of things that I covered in there. And so that that idea had always been in my mind, mm-hmm. um, and I had the space to create it, but I didn't necessarily have the capital to create a print right. publication. Ideally, you know, print would have been the goal, I would say, just mm-hmm. because, I, again, I love magazines. I love yeah. the touch and feel of it. Um, but I also did recognize where the industry was going, and mm-hmm. I saw it going into that digital space, but I didn't want to compromise my interest in that print experience. Right. And so I thought if you created, if we created um, a publication that did feel like a magazine, mm-hmm. like you weren't, you know, just calling it a magazine, and it was a blog, like right. you said, I, I, that was not what I was interested in doing. Um, but the added bonus was that we could include um yeah, these interactive elements. So mm-hmm. we could have a video in a story or it could right. be a GIF on our masthead, which mm-hmm. is something that we did. Um, y- there was opportunity for, for audio. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was sort of an added bonus for yeah. people who really appreciated print and didn't want to compromise that but wanted to be able to, you know, engage with the content. For sure. Um, and so it was really fun and it was really cool and it was another learning experience for me to create mm-hmm. a magazine from start to finish we did three issues okay um i'd love to do more but i'm kind of you know figuring things out right yeah. now um but it was really exciting we actually won the digital magazine launch of the year award oh. shortly after we launched it's a it's a, um, an award ceremony that mm-hmm. happens in london okay and so it was really That's yeah wonderful. it was really <laughs> nice to be like recognized yeah. for that um because we put a lot of hard work into mm-hmm. it i worked with a designer who i'd worked with at glamour she okay. was the i think her title was senior art director or okay. something at glamour um and so she did those three issues with me mm-hmm. and uh, actually, no, she did two issues with me. Another designer that I worked with at Glamour um, did my third one. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it was it was fun, mm-hmm. and I think it achieved. I'm so happy to hear that you said what you said because yeah. that's exactly what we were what we were trying to do. Yeah. No, definitely, like, I just, I noticed those things. Yeah. It's like, we can call anything pretty much what we want to. Like, who's going to stop me from calling a blog a magazine? Yeah. But it's not what it is at the right. end of the day. Right. Like, this is a very nice blog. It's and, like, true. we have to accept that for what it is. It's true. So it just made me happy that, like, I could click on the little next button. It's like it makes a little yes. sound. <laughs> <laughs> so, Thank yes, you. I will be excited, you know, when there's more issues. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hopefully. Yes. Hopefully. Fingers I'm, crossed. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I'm in a space right now. You see I'm doing food with mm-hmm. Our Detroit. Um, I've done travel, you know, I've done lifestyle. I'm not sure if I want to continue down just the beauty space. Right. I feel like I'm, I'm, my mind is opening to other opportunities right now, but I will say that I'm definitely still going to be in that magazine Mm -hmm. space. So 
there could be more opportunities like Beauty Atlas that maybe aren't Beauty Atlas. Okay. Let's just say that. <laughs> well, that, either way, yeah. I'm excited. Thank you. <laughs> so you've been in Detroit for a few years yeah. now. Um, and so as we mentioned, you're working at Our Detroit. Um, and you were the managing editor and the interim editor. Yeah. Um, and now you're the dining editor. Yeah. And so we were talking a little bit offline. You get to go to all of these cool restaurants mm-hmm. and eat mm-hmm. <laughs> and review. Good job. <laughs> so can you talk more about just like what you'll be doing as a dining editor and what skills and lessons you are taking from your time as a managing editor that you're bringing into this new role? Sure. So as dining editor, I'm I'm freelance now, so okay. I'm not technically on staff in the office, okay. but I will be editing the food and beverage section of the magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, so from, you know, front to back of that section will be me, whether I'm writing it, writing and editing it. Okay. Um, so meaning I'll be freelancing stories out and editing those mm-hmm. stories. Uh, so, yeah, the one thing that I will be writing every month is the review, which I've been doing for a couple months now. I can't remember okay. when I started doing that. But, um, yeah, so that means I get to test out new restaurants that open and then write about my experience mm-hmm. there, which is definitely a fun job. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> there's so much. I mean, there's so much in Detroit that's, you know, opening up every yeah. every week. It feels like mm-hmm. now there's a new restaurant launching <clears throat> or an announcement for a new restaurant Mm so um yeah it's definitely exciting um and then the other pieces in the section are you know wine they cover wine they cover um cocktails Mm -hmm. and beer and um desserts you know just just anything that's happening in the food scene you can expect to see in that section we've got our restaurant listing so anybody that's looking to go out to eat we have that resource for them so that'll be what i'm focusing on um in terms of how my previous roles have prepared me for this, um, so what it means to be interim editor means six months into when I started as managing editor mm-hmm. at our, our editor retired. Okay. He announced his retirement. Okay. He ended up leaving another six months after that, I would mm-hmm. say. So a year in, I was sort of thrusted into the role as editor yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did that for almost a year and a half okay and so if you think about the scope of the job of being the editor-in-chief um that means I'm writing stories I'm editing stories mm-hmm. I'm assigning stories I'm attending events and learning you know learning about stories to be told right I am managing a team I am working with the advertising department and the marketing department mm-hmm. and the web department. I'm overseeing all of the web content. Right. So I was doing all of it, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no better preparation than that, right? Yeah. So in, in this new role, I'm doing all of that in a sense, but on a much smaller scale. Okay. So it's just for one section of the magazine as opposed to the entire the whole thing. thing. <laughs> yeah. So I got a lot of experience. Yeah. I can only imagine just how much... Like, your mind was probably constantly going all the time. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, I have to edit this, or I have to write this, and I have to be here. Like, yeah. that's that's a big job. It, it was a big job. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, you made it through. Yeah, I made it. Here <laughs> I am. <laughs> so, speaking of restaurants, what are some of your favorites mm. in the city? That's a good question. So, I actually just went to Highlands the other day okay. at the Rensen. You heard of it? Been. It's like at it's on the seventy seventy first and seventy second floor mm-hmm. of the Run Set, and it it do, no it doesn't move. Okay, but the, there's a it's funny you say that because there's a restaurant in New York that that does that mm-hmm. that I like love, um, but yeah, so it's just like overlooking the city, which is yeah. really cool. You can see all of the lights, and it, it's it's really nice, mm-hmm. and it's a super like elevated experience. They okay. had like a hundred and fifteen dollar steak on the menu oh. <laughs> <laughs> i had a steak that was an 85 dollar steak and oh, wow. i'm still eating that steak oh my god i like it was huge uh-huh. i took it home i had steak and eggs for breakfast <laughs> yesterday tonight i think i'm gonna make it for dinner and i'll probably still have more tomorrow <laughs> okay make a stretch right okay because <laughs> i would hate for you to order that 85 dollar steak and then be like dang i don't i don't like can it. you imagine oh my I would, god i think my heart would actually fall out of my body <laughs> No, thank you. <laughs> that was a really good one. There are a lot of really great ones. I'm just kind of pulling from the most recent. Mm-hmm. I actually really, really liked 
Magnet? Have you okay. Been to Magnet I still yet? haven't been. I was oh. just talking to somebody about uh, Magnet. She was like, have you gone? I was like, no. You got to go. go. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, at first I kind of was like, it's it's very vegetable mm-hmm. forward. And I, I mean, I love fruits and vegetables, yeah. but like I'm also a meat girl. Like right. I will eat steak for three days in a row. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly. <laughs> but um, uh, so I was a little intimidated by that, but they, they're doing an amazing job. Okay. Like that cauliflower was the best cauliflower I've mm-hmm. ever had you know and I never ever ever eat beets and okay. they made this amazing beet like it was a it was a charred smashed beet mm. something it was so good okay and I and I ate the whole thing so. anything charred honestly yeah. <laughs> sign me up same that little smokiness same here for it charred. people always make fun of me for that okay? yeah. like you like everything burnt I'm like it's because it's better than <laughs> right <laughs> like brussels sprouts please yes. char them yes i like the little crunch <laughs> i like the little crunch Same. but i just went to i had dinner at lady of the house okay. this week so i've been there for brunch okay. so i was like let me try dinner and they had a um well the, first they had this carrot steak yes. situation yes. i wasn't for sure what it was what it was gonna be like what it was gonna look like it's I'm good. still thinking about it. That pistachio sauce. Girl, it is so good. I tried to make it myself at home. Oh. I like tried to make these, like I tried to, they make it really pretty. It mm-hmm. almost looks like a flower. Yeah. And I tried to do that myself. No, Didn't it work out. the same. So it's the, <laughs> A for effort, you know. <laughs> and then I had the salmon and that had like a beet salad or something underneath. Okay. And it was really, because I'm not, I mean, I don't hate beets, but I also don't think about them. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like. Oh, okay. okay. Beets it was good. and salmon. It was really good. All right. I got to so, try that. I, yeah. That's the one thing I just, and everybody knows it. I just, when I think about beets, it's like, oh, mm. that is just. Yeah. It's the only thing. I will eat anything. Mm-hmm. That, I'm just, Because oh. they're so tart and like, then mm. people are trying to be like, beet juice. I'm mm. like, let me, <laughs> we don't have to do this. <laughs> I'd rather not. Right. <laughs> I've tried beet juice and it's not. Oh, mm-mm. no. It's not good, guys. <laughs> so what are some rules of thumb for you when it comes to interviewing someone for a story? Mm, so like a, a, a person who I'm writing a story on? Yes. Okay. Um, rules of thumb. Let's see. Um, really, I just try to be conversational. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it kind of depends on the story, but sometimes... I challenge myself to not really prepare too much. Okay. So not to read too much up on the person mm-hmm. and and seeing how other people have covered them. Okay. Um, because I want to just have a natural conversation and get out of it, um, you know, s- something just organic. Right. Um, and same thing with, you know, in my previous role at Hour, I would be doing, you know, Maybe it's a story on health or a story on, um, you know, science or history mm-hmm. or, you know, something that's a little bit more technical than just telling someone's story. Yeah. And so I really wanted them to explain it to me as though I was a reader who really doesn't know anything about okay. the subject at all. Okay. So if you're coming to it with a, f- you know, through a fresh lens, mm-hmm. then they really will explain the nitty gritty, you know, and, and I'll tell them, I'll say, hey. I know nothing about this. Okay. So explain it to me the way you would explain it to like a child. Yeah. You know, just because I feel like then you really get a full understanding of things. Okay. Um, it doesn't work in every case. Sometimes you have to be really informed of what, you know, what research someone is doing or, mm-hmm. or what somebody has been through. Um, but that's something that I that I try to do pretty often. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's probably the biggest rule. Just just trying to be conversational. Again, mm-hmm. just it's a job, but trying to be human. Yeah. We're telling stories. Mm-hmm. That that's what we're doing. So let's just have a conversation and let me retell that story. Yeah. What is the fa- your favorite story that you've written so far during your career? Mm, during my career. Mm-hmm. Ooh. <laughs> huh. That's a good question. Um well, I don't know if I have a favorite, but I have stories that have stood out. Okay. So when I was at Glam Latina, I wrote a story about my hair journey. Okay. And I talked about, so like I said, that that publication was a Latin, um, it was a Latin beauty magazine. Mm-hmm. And so I am half black, half Puerto Rican. Okay. And so I told the story about how my hair is... Um, 
how my hair really defines me as a Latin woman. Okay. Well, as a as a mixed woman, I okay. guess. Um, I talked about what it felt like when my hair was curly and what responses I got from people when my hair was curly and the experience that I had <clears throat> when my mom would do my hair as a kid mm-hmm. and when my dad would do my hair as a kid. Okay. Because that happened too. And yeah. it was like two completely different experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really nice because I think that was probably my first like first person story. Okay. And I also remember feeling really happy that my editor was so pleased with it. Okay. She she was really excited by the way that I told the story and I got a great edit on it. Mm-hmm. So that was that was um it felt like an achievement to me. Mm-hmm. And it was something that was so personal. Like our hair is such Yeah. It's so personal mm-hmm. and it's um it just was really special to tell that on a on a national platform mm-hmm. and it and it was really well received too. Um so that's one and then Let's see, what are some others that have stood out? Mm, you know, all of the stories that I told at Beauty Atlas were were great because they felt, particularly the cover stories, because mm-hmm. I met some really, really great women that for me felt at the time like I was aligned with what I was supposed to be doing. Okay, I met these women and, you know, I was it was just me putting mm-hmm. this publication together for the most part. Um, and they all said yes, mm-hmm. which was, first of all, just felt like, right. really? <laughs> first try? Yeah. Really? Um, so that was awesome. But then the stories that I was able to tell about them, they all had really powerful stories. Mm-hmm. Um, one woman that I spoke to, her name was um, Denai Suarez. And she, oh my God, am I saying her name right? Den- yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Denai Suarez. Um, if not we're sorry girl sorry (laughs) no but I I really really loved her and and her story because Mm -hmm. she was from Cuba okay lived in Cuba at the time and was creating this music she was basically a a, she is she still exists (laughs) (laughs) she's creating this music that is um you know it's it's talking about feminism it's Mm -hmm. talking about politics and it's talking about a lot of things that they're not allowed to speak about publicly in Cuba and she just went for it like she was speaking about things that she believed in Mm -hmm. and particularly religion she talked about she's a Christian woman Mm -hmm. and she um is a is a really powerful woman of faith and is not quiet about that and I was so impressed by her bravery but also her um integrity and just truth you know she she just was committed to telling her truth and there was even a point where we had a conversation after the the cover shoot where we started talking about religion I'm also Christian so I felt Mm -hmm. you know comfortable talking to her and um I was telling her that I was considering doing a story on Santeria which is Basic. I wouldn't say it's witchery, okay, um, but it challenges Christianity, okay, right. Um, and so I was telling her, but but there's a lot of style in it. So they wear these um, really ornate, uh, like makeup and mm-hmm. and jewelry in some cases, and they have these um, gowns that they wear and headdresses, and there's a lot in it style wise that I thought that I could cover it in beauty atlas. And I kind of was talking to her about that. And she was very clearly saying, do not do that. Okay. You know, she, she, from a, from a Christian standpoint was like, that's, that's not what we stand for. That's not, it's not serving anybody. Why would you do that? And so I guess what I'm saying is the story that I told about her was really, um, fulfilling for me but it was also outside of the interview and the conversations that I was able to have with her that again from a human level for me just made me grow okay which I really appreciated and same for um another cover star that I that I spoke with her name was Fa Mm -hmm. and she was from um Indonesia okay and so she talked to me about her culture and same thing I think the common thread between those women um, on the covers for the issues that we that we worked on for Beauty Atlas was that they were so brave mm-hmm. and so powerful um, that that it kind of changed me as a person in a way. Okay. I feel like I took pieces of each of them with me mm-hmm. after we completed those issues, which was really, really cool. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. What is your strangest or most awkward interview story? <laughs> oh. Hmm. 
Hmm. Well, it's so funny because um, I'm sure I've had some and I have to think about Mm -hmm. them. But I also, so when I first started at Ebony, I was hired as the beauty and style assistant. So I was Elaine Welteroth's assistant. I stand (laughs) for Elaine Welteroth. She's awesome. I love, if you are still friends with her, just please tell her. <laughs> like, you've met this girl before, but clearly, I'm, like, she doesn't remember me. She meets so many people. But oh, did you meet her? Yes. I went to Chicago when she was, well, it was, like, her last year at okay. Teen Vogue, and she did the summit. Oh, okay. And so she was doing, like, these little pop-ups. So me and my friend went to Chicago, and I was like, I have to meet this woman. <laughs> but... Anyway, she's great. Yeah, no, she's great. <laughs> but I just was thinking that I remember like having. So we shared an office. Mm-hmm. We our desks were basically just side by side. Yeah. And so when she would take her interviews, they she'd it'd just be on speakerphone and she'd be transcribing. And so I'd have to basically listen to her interviews every okay. day. And which was a, an amazing learning experience mm-hmm. in hindsight. It's you know I got to to you know learn just by proximity to her. Right. Um, but I remember a lot of interviews where it'd be really awkward and things would happen and she'd like hang up the phone and we'd be like, what did did that just just happen? I remember there was one interview she did and like somebody burped on the phone really loud and like just kept it moving. We were like, what? (laughs) Like, excuse me. I'm sorry. Like like, I had garlic sauce for lunch. Like... (laughs) What's happening here? Just weird stuff. (laughs) That's the first thing that kind of just came to mind. But for me, um, I guess either I've been really fortunate or I have a really bad memory. Mm -hmm. And I definitely have a really bad memory. So I don't. Oh, okay. I know the worst thing that's ever happened. (laughs) So and this was even before the interview happened. Okay. The interview did not happen. (laughs) (laughs) So I if. For Beauty Atlas, I wanted to do a a story. Basically, I was trying to write a story that, again, trying not to be superficial and just talk about makeup and how, you know, you're prettier, you know, with this and and not that. I Mm -hmm. didn't want to be creating that. Some of that, but but there's a lot more to beauty than that. Um, And so I wanted to write a story that was basically telling... Uh, a a deep story on um, an experience, whether it was loss Mm -hmm. or trauma or um, failure or something that really deeply impacted a woman and the beauty moments that she remembered from that. Okay. So I kind of was trying to get deep, Mm -hmm. but still tying it back to beauty, right? Right. Because when I think about it, you know, particularly, let's say, with fragrance, Right. Everybody has a fragrance that reminds them of a moment, whether Mm -hmm. that moment is happy, whether that moment is sad, whether that moment is loving. Mm -hmm. It it is tied to a memory. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I thought that everyone could could kind of relate to that. Right. And so I reached out to this woman who did an interview about losing her husband. Okay. And she talked about I, I feel like she she talked about style in the interview in some spaces. She talked about the wedding, like remembering her wedding dress. She talked about uh, just just little things here and there that made me think, hmm, I wonder if she could talk about, hey, I remember, like, I'm still grieving. I'm still mm-hmm. going through this process. But I remember my wedding day and the right. fragrance that I put on. And I remember what he smelled like. Okay. And I remember, you know, I just thought that I thought that that could resonate with someone who maybe was going through something. Yeah. I reached out for that interview and I and I sent the email really thoughtfully. I think actually this goes back to your earlier question about mm-hmm. some things that you've um, like rules of thumb, rules of thumb mm-hmm. for interviews. Um, and I think one thing I learned from this was maybe don't give too much information in, in the email. Okay. Maybe just say, hey, I have this idea. Can we chat about it? Because okay. I think had I had the opportunity to talk to this woman about what my intention was, it might have been received a bit better okay but I outlined everything in my email and said this is what we would do and this is how it mm-hmm. and she was not happy about Uh-oh. it she responded and and I was kind in my email and I said I'm really sorry for what you're going through I at the time was going through a loss as well and I and I you know tried to again approach it from a human human level and so she she 
she reciprocated that and said, I'm really sorry for what you're going through and um, it is such a hard time and blah, blah, blah. And then she said, um, I cannot believe you would ask me for oh. this interview <laughs> and just was, you know, horrified that th this could be tied to endorsing beauty products. Okay. So that was the most hurtful message I could get because right. I felt like she she did not feel my intention. Right. It came so across say. just yeah, it just probably came across a way that mm -hmm. I did not intend f at all. Yeah. And that that's the that's I'm probably still recovering from Aww. that. That was a couple years ago. <laughs> but it was really hard to know that, you know, that wasn't my intention right. and that I could hurt some, you know, that yeah. I that I hurt somebody was really the mm -hmm. the 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 toughest part yeah. of this because that's never something I would want to do. Right, and to unintentionally hurt somebody is yeah. one of the worst things ever because it's just like I really did not like yeah. listen. I really didn't mean to. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And somebody who's already going through it. Right. Like, girl, I already know that you're going through yeah. it. I am not trying to add to that. Mm -hmm. And so learning lesson for me in terms of reaching out for interviews mm -hmm. um and yeah that that that's just the biggest one that yeah. that comes to mind okay <laughs> um finish the sentence for me writing makes me feel anxious really okay. i get some real anxiety oh when my I write. gosh okay <laughs> <laughs> i was not expecting you to say that i know i would love to say like cathartic and yeah. that makes me feel you know Peaceful. at peace mm -mm. Uh, mm -mm. oh my Not god at all okay. and everybody knows it i'm like guys i have to write now they're like oh god here we go <laughs> <laughs> it's painful it it really is painful and you know i, I i'm grateful that i at the other end of that it, i've created work that i'm really proud of mm -hmm. um but to get there is it because of the deadline? Is it because you're like you're overthinking? Yes. When he's okay. Yeah. So for me, the biggest challenge is starting and finishing. Yes. And you know, some people say, "Well, start in the middle." I can't. I have to. Mm -hmm. I gotta start from the beginning. Yeah. Same. I'm like, I have. If I can't get the intro done, like no. <laughs> and once you get over that hump, yeah, right. You're, you're like in I'm group. in a good, but yeah. Oof. That's funny because the next thing I was going to say was like there's jokes on Twitter that pop up about people that are writers and they're always like, here I am, like procrastinating again. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> like I'm on a deadline, but I'm about to do my laundry. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. It's so true. And now that I'm in this space where I'm going to be working from home, mm -hmm. you know, primarily, um, I, I don't I. I don't trust myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I can do these dishes. Also, I, I think I need to paint. I'm like, oh, I need a rug for this room. Wait, my office has the wrong chair. I need to get oh a new chair. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I really was not expecting you to say yes, that. It's, it's so funny. It's bad. And I do my best work really late at night, okay. too. So I could Thank spend. You. Yeah. I could spend so much time during the day doing nothing. And yes. then at 11 o'clock at night, I'm like, oh. I get that burst of energy where I'm just like, I can do it all. Yeah. <laughs> like, now is the time for me to be productive. I understand that I had 12 hours before this to do things, yeah. but I was busy exactly. watching reality TV, so I could not have possibly been productive. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I get like <laughs> overambitious too. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, I, I, okay, I have all day, so I can do this in an hour or two mm -hmm. and I'm like all right and then it gets eight o'clock and I'm like it's only gonna take an hour and yeah. then when I start at 11 it's mm -hmm. like no this took six hours Listen. and here I am at I don't do math but what is that 3 a.m yeah <laughs> <laughs> and I'm notorious for taking breaks like I'll write a little bit and then I'm like oh write a little bit more yeah. I'm like oh, I need a break I'm so yeah. tired <laughs> yeah it's like girl you only wrote exactly. five words <laughs> exactly and like especially in this like wellness era right mm -hmm. it's like self-care i need to go to sleep i yep. need to get my eight hours it's like yeah you should get your right. eight hours but that means you got to start your story at two o'clock yeah so that you can be done with it by bedtime mm -hmm. i'm like at 3 a.m i'm like you can't do this to yourself Lindsay. You right gotta this go is to the sleep. last time this is unhealthy <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is hilarious yeah oh my gosh okay a couple more sure. before we're done for the day um, what is your greatest strength as an editor and then your greatest challenge or opportunity? Mm, as an editor, greatest strength. I think, uh, mm, 
I think, well, it's tricky because for so long I had to wear the hat of editor and manager. Mm -hmm. And I, I think maybe there are two different skill sets there. I think, I think as an editor, I try not to insert my voice too much. Yeah. Or sometimes I'll have to ask myself, hey, is this making the sentence stronger mm-hmm. or is it just making it sound better to me? Mm-hmm. Are we communicating the same thing? Is the reader going to walk away with the same thing just in my voice right. or in the writer's voice? Yeah. And if it's in my voice, then I say, stead it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, don't make that change. Right. Um which I think is really important because it's not my work ultimately. Yeah. It's somebody else's name that's going to go on this. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that. Yeah. Maybe that's my greatest strength. Mm-hmm. Um, greatest challenge would be probably the same thing. Like having to remind myself mm-hmm. it's not your story. It yeah. w- I mean, you know, it's my job to shape this story in mm-hmm. the way that fits the magazine and, and the way that I feel is going to best serve, you know, the final product. Um, but sometimes I do. And, and I think it's because of my background. I've worked with editors who are basically just rewriting the whole thing. Yeah. That's, that's kind of my training. Mm-hmm. Um, so having to take a step back and, and remind myself not to do that. Mm-hmm maybe is a challenge sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to my friend. She works at a nonprofit and does their marketing. And so she has to like do like newsletters and stuff. And so her boss comes from a journalism background. So she's like, she's always editing my stuff. Like even as far as like to where the con like Oxford commas versus yeah. no Oxford commas. And I was like, it's probably when she told me where she used to work, I was like, that makes so much sense. Now I'm like, she's probably used to people doing that to her. Yeah. And it's just ingrained in her brain now that like, this has to be written a certain way. Like when you write, I feel like an AP style, sometimes it's hard to stop doing that or like each publication might have their own style guide. So like having to relearn, like unlearn one and relearn another is different. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a challenge. Mm -hmm. And even just in terms of tone for me, I've been at very different publications my entire career. Mm -hmm. So at Ebony, I was writing for a very specific audience. Right. So we were speaking in a very specific way. Right. I'm not going to talk to the, ebony reader who's probably my you know my grandmother yeah you know the same way that i'm talking to the reader at teen vogue who's my niece yeah you know so having to adapt to all of these style things that you just talked about Mm -hmm. but also tone things that come with just the nature of the publication Mm -hmm. it it is a challenge you have to turn your brain yeah on and off all the time all the time i try to tell people just to think about give give your reader an avatar. So like I just said, my grandmother, my mm-hmm. niece, you know, my cousin when I was at Glam Latina. Yeah. That kind of helps because you can check yourself and say, is that how she wants to be told right. that story? You know, is that what she would respond to mm-hmm. um, best? That can that can kind of help sometimes. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, okay. How would you say Detroit has embraced you so far since you've moved here? Oh, I love that question. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that question so much. Yay. It almost makes me misty. Oh, well, I've had like two people cry on here before, so you can be the third. No, no. I won't. <laughs> no, won't be me. Mm-mm. Okay. <laughs> no, I love that question because I've been thinking about it a lot. Mm-hmm. I, um, I just love this place so much. Yeah. I really do. I, I love the city and I think... What I've been thinking about lately is that I feel like Detroit sees me. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm from New York. Right. I worked in New York. I, you know, that's where I thought I would spend my life. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times I feel like I was hitting roadblocks, like a lot of roadblocks just that just felt, again, like, you know, I wasn't quite aligned. Mm And, and, and. I, I think about um, it, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but just like not being recognized, like right. people would would. I literally had this happen to me multiple times. I'd be at New York Fashion Week, mm-hmm. and I would show up, and I'd get to you know I'd get backstage, and the PR people at the door they'd be like, you know, who are you? And I'd think, oh, oh my god, hey, like it'd be like we were best friends. Yeah. Let's go get drinks. Oh my God, come on, let me show you to this. And it would be cool, right? Mm-hmm. And I'd walk away feeling like, oh, look at that. I made, right. a, I made a contact. Yeah, mm-hmm. like this This is great. The next day, I would show up. It'd be the same PR person. And I would say, hi, it's and who are you with? And uh, can I help you? Yeah. Like, 
like nasty too yeah. you know and it's like wait but but just yesterday mm-hmm. you you were my homegirl like right. what just happened here right we were talking about going out for cocktails right and now, less than 24 hours later right. and then you see they're like embarrassed and it's like oh my god i'm so sorry you know mm-hmm. um and for a long time i wrote that off as again the hair thing right it's mm-hmm. like my hair would be really curly one day maybe if i slicked it back the next day I didn't look like the same person. Or mm-hmm. maybe I wore my contacts one day and, I, you know, didn't look, they didn't recognize me. Yeah. Maybe I wore heels one day. I'm 4'10". So mm-hmm. like, maybe I wore heels one day and, then, you know, so I blamed it on a lot of aesthetics. Yeah. And I think coming here, I've learned that that couldn't be it. That couldn't be it because I'm still the same person. Right. I'm still, I still got the same hair. I'm mm-hmm. still the same height. I, you know, wear my glasses sometimes and yeah. sometimes I don't. But I'm always recognized. I'm always greeted. People are always, oh, my God. Like, and, and that shouldn't be abnormal, right? I shouldn't be shocked by that. But, I, but for some reason, being here in Detroit, I feel seen. Mm-hmm. I feel acknowledged. I feel present. And for me, it really helps me to be me. It yeah. helps me to feel like I can be my authentic self mm-hmm. and not apologize for it and not have to... Um, um, use my title yeah. to explain who I am. Yes, which I did a lot of in New York. Mm-hmm. I'm the digital beauty editor at Teen Vogue. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, I, I worked with so and so here. Right. You know, so much of work defined mm-hmm. me in New York. Whereas here, it's so funny. I've said sometimes, oh yeah, you know, I used to work at Teen Vogue, and people are like, what? Are they, mm-hmm. Like, what is that? Or who cares? Right. Like, but who are you? Yes. And I love that so much mm-hmm. because it it gives me, and I shouldn't need this, but I but I did. You mm-hmm. know, it gives me the license to be Lindsay yeah. and not to be Lindsay the editor, right. Lindsay the New Yorker, Lindsay. And I still do it. I still carry it with me a lot mm-hmm. just because it's hard to break out of that. But again, another long answer to your question. No, it's but okay. I just feel seen here I feel like this city has challenged me to be myself Mm -hmm. has given me the freedom to be myself and to be accepted for that and I appreciate it so much I I feel like it's funny I kind of joke about this but you know my husband is from here and he's who brought me here I sort of brought him he wasn't really (laughs) intending on coming back to Detroit but you know I I found love in that sense that Mm -hmm. the person who I love is from here but I found love here because yeah. i i truly really love this place mm-hmm. so much i uh, really do <laughs> that made me happy but definitely as you were just saying just allowing yourself to peel back that layer that well that work layer because yeah. it's like i am a person when i'm not writing yeah. <laughs> and these are the things that i like and that is frustrating to have people literally that you've had conversations with or like been in these spaces Ugh. with and then they try to act like oh like mm. And I hate having to like name drop or pull up because I'm like, I don't want to have to do this. Right. <laughs> like, I just want you to see me for me. Exactly. Know that I'm like, clearly I'm in this space for a reason. Exactly. So let me backstage so I can do my job. Like, exactly. Yeah. And their their eyes would just light up when they saw the title. But when I said my name, it meant nothing. Right. You know, it'd be like, yeah. and who are you? And I'd be like, I'm Lindsay Green. And they'd be like, uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> like with Teen Vogue. Oh, yeah. you know, and that's... Ugh. Okay. Yeah, it's it's not. It's not a good feeling. No. Yeah. It's not, and I don't know why it's different here. I mean, I guess obviously the industry is not mm-hmm. here. Media isn't as I don't want to say impressive, but yeah. it's not as impressive as it is in New York. So right. I wonder if maybe people are just like, okay, well, mm-hmm. it's just another job. But I think it's more than that. Yeah. I, I feel like there's like a spiritual thing that's happening here. Mm-hmm. That's um, those. Though there there's a different value here. Yeah. People value something entirely different here. Mm-hmm. And it's not work. Yeah. I just like good people. Yeah. Like, I don't care where you work. I just Yes. <laughs> if you're not nice, I don't want anything to do with you. Exactly. <laughs> no, I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. So a follow up to that is what does it mean for you to be a damsel in Detroit? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess just learning from women that I've met here mm-hmm. is um just be kind like it means if I could redefine that for myself and say like what does it mean to be a woman in Detroit Mm -hmm. to me it means to be to be a kind person yeah to be a good person um 
to be human, to be helpful. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. And yeah. I, I'm just trying to learn how to do that from other damsels or, <laughs> you know, Detroiters yeah. here. And, and I think I am. I think I'm picking up on that from a lot of people mm-hmm. here. It's a work in progress. Yeah. It's only been three years. Yeah. So you got a lifetime not even, to go. Not even. Right. We're like two and, two and a half. Two and a half. <laughs> Pushing three. Yeah. <laughs> and then lastly, where can people connect with you on social and on the web? And are you accepting pitches? And if somebody wants to pitch you. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> sure. So I can be found um, on Instagram mostly. I'm not very active in other places. Mm-hmm. I'm also not very active on Instagram, <laughs> but I'm trying to be better at that. Um, I'm at Lady Luff. So mm-hmm. that's L-U-F-F. Um, and email. Yeah, you can shoot me an email. You can shoot the team at Our Detroit an email. I think it's editorial at ourdetroit.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I'm L green, like the color at ourdetroit.com. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if you have any food pitches, feel free to send those to me. Um, always want to know what's going on in the food scene here, yeah. any food events, you know, any even just like product launches mm-hmm. that are related to food I'm open to. Uh, so yeah, send them my way. Yay. <laughs> well, Lindsay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you this for having fun. me. This was fun. Yay. Yeah. And as always, guys, I want you to remember that Detroit girls do it better. And we'll be back next week.